Welcome back to the Racial Draft Podcast. I am your host, Michael Terrell Ford the Thirst. Michael Terrell Ford the Third. That's a Freudian slip flip. Um, but um, I'm joined this week by my somewhat regular co-host, Marquis. Pleasure to be here, guys. Um, know a lot's going on out there in the world. Um, just want to take a beat to send our thoughts and prayers um, to everyone out there. Um, and I don't mean thoughts and prayers sarcastically. I mean it sincerely. I know there are some tough things happening now. So um, don't think that uh, because we may talk a little bit about comic books and superheroes and other topics tonight, that we're not also thinking about the sort of real world things out there that everyone is going through. Amen. And, um, you know, we're joined uh, by one of our uh, illustrious captains, the captain of the, of the white delegation, uh, Sean Martineau. Sean, say hi to people. Hey, and up here in Canada, you know, this is, this is a big deal even up here, you know, like a lot of what happens down there with you guys affects us very directly because we were so closely knit, you know? And yeah, I would also like to extend thoughts and prayers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone in the, in the, in the family, um, you know, we're all thinking about the, you know, the death of George Floyd and everything that's happening in all these major cities, as far as um, people putting their foot down and saying, you know, enough. Um, our, our thoughts are with the protesters. Obviously, you know, we, we don't want there to be any further loss of life, but if we're just talking about uh, the people's voice being heard, that's what we're all about here. And uh, you know that's an awkward transition, but I mean we should transition into our into our show. If this is your first time, if this is your first time joining in, you know I apologize. Maybe go back and listen to some other episodes. But uh, we we're, what we're trying to do with this endeavor is we're trying to uh, create a more diverse comic book universe, and we're trying to do that through uh, the various races and ethnicities drafting characters and then putting their own little spin on those characters after they're drafting them. And, um, you know, it, based on the idea that what if those characters were a member of that group the whole time? Um, we've been going through firing uh, round by round. We just concluded the fourth round and um, we're about to kick off. Uh, we're about five hours away from kicking off our fifth round. And, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, action, honestly. What we're going to do is we're going to recap all the picks in the fourth round and you know Sean's gonna Sean's gonna have some some you know he's made some controversial moves in the past so he may be making some controversial moves uh in the future as as regards to nominating uh uh superheroes or supervillains as it were to join to join the Caucasian delegation. Um is that a, are you pointing out Blade? No, I am pointing out the guy I'm going to get next. Oh, that is what we like to call in the radio business a tease. So, um, yeah, let's jump right in on the fourth round. Uh, I will go to my fun, fun little list of the people that were drafted in the previous round. That was just for the recap. Uh, round four, the order based on our snake draft was Team Latinx, Team Black, Team White, Team Jewish, Team Asian, Polynesian team, Native American team, and multiracial team rounding out the fourth round. So uh, the first pick was uh, Thor for the Latinx team. There was a fun backstory to that. 
which I will try to pull up right now. It, it, it was very, uh, very influenced by Don Quixote. Uh, took, a, took a little bit of Don Quixote with the old uh, Donald Blake aspect of Thor. Uh, I'll read uh, S. Pena's backstory. Don Blanco was a retired librarian with Alzheimer's. He loved to help the illiterate learn to read and regaled them with stories of exciting stories from the Bible, from legends of brave knights and crusaders, and from mythologies from Greece, Rome, and Norway. He was called the ingenious gentleman, El Ingenios Hidalgo. But people fear Don Blanco's mind is succumbing to his infirmity. Now he not only tells his stories, he believes them. He believes they happen to him. He has trouble separating reality from fiction. And in his quiet moments, he believes he is, in fact, a god. Thor Díaz del Treño. You know, there was a lot of, there was a lot to that because, I mean, Marquis, I don't know if you, if you read a lot of Thor books. Um, well, Thor actually is one of the comics that I had some familiarity, familiarity with as a child. So um, on this particular character, I feel like I, I have more of a base to operate on than some of the other ones. Okay. I mean, I would say the most more recent Thor stories, especially- And, and also- Also the movies you're going to say? Yeah, yeah. Also <laughs> definitely, definitely from the movies. I feel like this is a, a sort of super universally well-known character- and in general, I love sort of the language aspects of this character, that particular treatment, because I, I think of language as, as a, a really essential tool of power. So adding that particular aspect and importance to this backstory, I, I think is um, super intriguing. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I was going to say is that, you know, particularly in the, uh, the run right before this one, the sort of legendary um, Jason Aaron run, there were a lot of, um, you know, sort of far reaching aspects in the storytelling that was were very disjointed. It was told in sold in three eras, three time, three eras of, of time. And and with that, things got a lot got very trippy with regard to, you know, time and place. So I think that, you know, to have a storyteller um, who can who can sort of embody the, those those aspects, the surrealist, if you will, like aspects of the Thor stories, I think there, I think there's something there that could really, really sort of add to the character as, as Latinx. And from a pure points perspective, I mean, I think of Thor as a super powerful character that maybe come from the perspective of not completely grasping all the nuances of the, the point system, mm -hmm. but I think as a lay person, this seems like a particularly powerful pick. Yeah, actually, Sean, you, you've got a lot of expertise as our, uh, in addition to our captain, you're, you're also our fantasy comics league guru. So, you know, tell us a little bit about Thor, where you would rank him sort of in the overall scheme of things. Well, I was going to say, I really, this is one of my favorite picks so far because it's great for the fantasy comic league aspect. You know, Thor is a powerhouse player. And especially right now, Donny Cates is writing his book, Donny Cates gives you points, you know? He likes to tell big stories, bombastic action. Um, but also, like, that aspect of focusing on the Donald Blake side of things. That's something that's been missing from Sora a lot lately. And that's a cool aspect to bring back to him. Sure. And then the way you were talking about him as a storyteller, that's, that's an aspect that's actually been part of Loki's deal recently a lot in comics. So it's cool that it's going to Thor mm -hmm. in this book because he is the God of stories or he was until he became King of the Frost Giants. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be curious to see, you know, I'm, I've, I've spoke to some captains about, about, you know, 
where Thor would best fit. I mean, sorry, where Loki would best fit. And, you know, potential interactions between Loki and Thor, you know, once they, once Thor, once Loki has been reimagined uh, as, you know, from a, from a different background, that's going to be fascinating to see play out. But uh, yeah, so I mean, let's see if we got any feedback on that pick. Uh, our, our friend, um, Tomati, the uh, Polynesian captain, gave his thumbs up. Powerful pick. Uh, new, new member of the community, Martin Sanchez, who we know from Twitter and, and also from the, from the community. He's, he gives it a standing ovation in, in GIF form. So yeah, overall, it seems like there was unanimous support for the Thor pick. So once again, they're four for four, the Latinx team. They're just, uh, everybody's playing for second right now. Also really interesting that there are this many superpower characters still left. And I, I guess the analysis will depend on, are there this many powerful characters left because the Marvel, the DC universe is that deep? Or maybe there were some picks in earlier rounds that could be critiqued. I don't know which is the <laughs> correct answer. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I'd say. And um, yeah, so it's a mixed up. Yes. Now the second pick were, were our, our old friends from the black delegation, and uh, I gotta say, I, I this, this one came this came one came out of left field, um, but in a good way. They drafted the Joker. Now, what were your first? What we what do you guys? What were your first impressions of this of this Joker pick? I actually think Mike, there's really no way in no round or any point in the draft that the Joker can be a bad <laughs> He's such an intrinsically exciting character for people. No matter what, he was always going to be exciting and interesting wherever he came. I don't know from a point perspective how powerful he is, um, being first that he's a villain and also that he doesn't actually have any superpowers. So I don't know how many points he gets you, but certainly when I think about what the black team is trying to do with their picks and, and tell super interesting stories and in, in sort of an interesting, compelling way, I, I think he's an amazing character that they've got there to work with. And what about you, Sean? I also agree. So one of the, the things we worked really hard with the Fantasy Comic League, like power system was accounting for heroes and villains who didn't have powers. You know, you get points for using vehicles. Hawkeye gets a point for firing his bow, you know. A uh, character will get a point if it uses tech, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you get computer usage, because, like, that was a big thing for Kitty Pride at one point, you know? So I think the Joker is going to kill it. So um, I'm curious actually, how I, many I, Jokers I is being covered by this Joker pick. Well, I have, a qu I have a quick question about the scoring system. I'm sorry to cut you off. But one thing that the Joker is known for is his flair for the, the flamboyant. Um, does creating joker themed um traps and uh objects and the very you know the various sort of accoutrements that the joker does and uses uh, over the course of any appearance would that score for fcl purposes we have what's called the creative ko which is like that was first given for deadpool because deadpool once like took somebody out with the fourth wall and we were like I mean, that deserves to be a point. How the fuck do you make that a point? <laughs> so we went with creative KO. So that would be like Joker-themed things, I would think. Okay. That would be where that would fall. Yeah, I didn't know if, yeah, I didn't know if coming up with Joker gags 
would count as power usage. And like some characters have specific things. Like for example, Mjolnir is pretty specific to the Thor characters. And if like Captain America was going to be an event, we'd give it to him for the duration of that event because he's likely going to pick it up. Mm -hmm. Got it. So let's let's jump into the backstory that they came up with. Or I I, I coined this term, but so I'm going to hype it: the black story. Um, Jamal and his crew, the Red Hoods, were the most notorious pyro blood gang out of Gotham. They would rob, steal, and pillage through Gotham like the rest of the villains, but for some reason were dealt with differently. You see, the cops in Gotham were scared and ended up shooting a lot of the Pyrus dead on sight. Then there's this Batman character who always ended up permanently crippling each one of them, forcing them into hospital beds. Rumor has it that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne, putting people in hospitals just to jack up their insurance premiums. Jamal got tired of being treated this way. Why can't he and his team just be arrested and thrown in jail like the rest of the criminals? He saw Two-Face blow a dude's head clean off, and all he got was probation. What's the difference? But then Jamal had a realization. Batman always shows parts of his face so the world knows he's white. What if everyone thought Jamal was white? So Jamal paints his face white as snow. He witnessed the change immediately. First, the cops never fired their guns. They actually brought in negotiators. And Batman would show up and not even fight, just throw him in handcuffs, just for him to immediately escape again. He even blew up a bus, bus full of people, and Batman said, he's just insane. After watching a lot of rap videos, Jamal knew that to be different, he had to color his hair and wear makeup to get the world to notice him. So one hair dye and bleach skin treatment later, the Joker was born. He had all the pyro bloods wear white makeup and commit crimes. Soon the hospital visits ended. They were now treated with the same privilege that the white criminals got. Respect has been gained. It's, it's kind of interesting that uh, the black delegation chose this week to come up with this backstory for the Joker, considering um, maybe a little unfortunate, but I still think that that there's, there's a lot to that to unpack. I mean, I think that there's, you, you guys have all seen The Dark Knight, right? Yeah. I, mean, I would say that the anarchist bent of the Joker in that movie um, is, I think there's, there's room to sort of graft on um, a race analysis to this notion of trying to create anarchy and, you know, occupying this persona, this sort of bleached white, um, almost inversion of blackface um, to that end would 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 end would probably add a powerful component to the Joker as a as a cultural critic as as someone who's against the idea of society and against the idea of isms being baked into baked into the system. Honestly, Mike, I, I think this was always coming. If, if people want to go back to some earlier episodes of the podcast, there was an intriguing discussion about if this character was a Latin X character, mm -hmm. Latin X character back in the day. And I feel like it was inevitable that this character was going to be picked, this character was going to be bent, and this character was going to have some pretty powerful real world overtones to it. Uh, there's no reason to run for that. I, I feel like that's always been there with a lot of these characters. Uh, I understand that it is super intriguing this week. It would be nice to sort of hear from them if they were taking in mind sort of, sort of some more recent context when they made the pick or if it's just a strange case of art imitating life as it is wont to do. Right. And it, it, it was also interesting is that I noticed there was some online discourse around the idea that, you know, the, the Joker movie that just came out, that there were all the, you know, there was riots, spoiler alert, you know, riots figure prominently in that movie. 
and you know the, the idea of the Joker as an agent of of a, or sorry a catalyst for social upheaval in that movie was um, it was interesting to see some of the same people who were in favor of of the Joker as a voice uh, for the for the people that don't have a voice um, to potentially be critical of this kind of social upheaval, uh, which also comes from the idea of the people without voices uh, rising up. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I don't know if you saw a post in one of my favorite Facebook groups, Nerd Apocalypse, today, but the comment about people loving Star Wars but somehow not liking real world rebellion was very yes. apropos to me. Yes. Yeah, uh, we got we to gotta talk offline about uh, our buddies from the Nerd Apocalypse and trying to get them on the show. Um, but yeah, like, so, I mean, it, it was a cool pick. It was a cool pick when it was made a few days ago, but now it's like, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not sure how they're going to score, but if we're going by style points, bravo for the Black des uh, Delegation. And that brings us after, well, let me, I'm sorry. Let me, let me read off some of the feedback we got. We, we did get a lot. Um, we got we got one one person saying, as a white person, we're happy to lose him. Um, that was <laughs> we had someone say, this almost feels like a direct attack at the white delegation. White delegation, do you have a? <laughs> well, you guys don't have a Joker, you know. Like I'm not I'm not sad to lose him. I will say this: I've been looking for like the biggest fuck ups in comic book history. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of glad most of them are white. Like, that would have been really bad given how much of comic book history has been written by white people. Yeah, and like I, said before, white. like I said before, whether we're talking about heroes or villains, you know, who, who, who gets a redemption? Who's more likely to get a redemption arc but a white guy? You know, like, you're, you're going to screw up really bad and people are going to forgive you. That's just kind of how it works. Uh, let's see. Best in show or, uh, on Twitter said, "Deep cut. I'm here for this. Let's get it printed and released." And uh, yeah, there's, uh, there were some gifts of uh, people dancing. Uh, our, our Annie from the Jewish delegation said, "Unexpected and a tremendous pick." Someone also noted the fact that there's this three Joker book that's dropping. And uh, trying to figure out the, the scoring morass of that was going to be fun for us. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. And that brings us to you, the white delegation. Why, why, not, why not present it for us? Give, give, the people, give the people your spin on, on your, your third round, I mean, your fourth round draft pick. Okay. So, I, first off, I'm also... Even though I'm drafting for a theme, I'm also kind of drafting because I want characters that are going to appear. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I took Blade because A, I didn't want to take Black Panther and B, <laughs> I knew Blade was going to appear a lot. He's an Avenger. Avengers have an event going on right now. True. The Fantastic Four are also part of that event. And Reed Richards is just, he's just such an epitome of a white man in the comics, <laughs> you know? He's pretty neglectful. He thinks he's the greatest thing ever. Sometimes his brilliance is deserved. Sometimes it isn't, you know? Yeah. He's, he's the king. And he's he rip holes in the universe whenever he pleases. And then he's like, cool. You know, I'm a white man. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a, whole council, got a whole council of white men uh, pulling strings in the multiverse. 
he became the god of the multiverse, him and his son. He failed up as high as you could go. Yeah. Because, I don't know, he kind of failed when the whole universe got destroyed. That's like kind of on him. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, time runs out is, is, a, is a testament to Reed Richards' failure, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's, there, there's a lot. There's, ver- there, there's not a lot to argue with. As much as people want to race Ben Reed, and I think, I think to the extent, I mean, I've, I've made this argument for a while, that part of why people want to race Ben Reed is because they want to make him more likable. And they feel like if he was, you know, anything other than a white man, there would be some, there would be some more layer more layers to his unlikability that would maybe be more understandable. But, um, you know, it's hard to argue with him, you know, as part of the white delegation and especially in light of his more um, tough, tough characteristics to swallow. Marquis, do you have any thoughts about Reed Richards? I think when I, when I hear this character, I just, I just wonder how powerful is this character considered in, in terms of storytelling purposes? I mean, Sean, you can you can offer your perspective. I'll jump in after. Okay. Mr. Fantastic is the leader of the Fantastic Four who love to team up with people. Uh, intelligence is a power, you know? We try to account for everything. He morphs a lot. He stretches a lot. He gets character developments a lot because a lot of things seem to happen to Reed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things happen because of Reed. <laughs> yeah. So Reed, Reed is a pretty good performer. Like, out of all the Fantastic Four, the thing is honestly probably the most reliable. Yeah, I think because yeah, yeah. he does the same things over and over again. But Reed has the potential to outperform, outperform the thing by a long shot if he gets all of his points, you know? Reed's more likely to hit every category than Ben would. Right. Plus, Reed has the potential to show up in any book because anytime someone needs, like, a big brain answer, you know, read it's on everyone's speed dial. Like, you know, one thing that the MCU is sort of lacking compared to the larger Marvel universe is that, you know, Tony for a lot of the MCU gets to be the problem solver, but in the comic universe, it's almost always read. Well, I know when I was thinking about this pick sort of in relation to prior picks from the white delegation i thought to myself oh well no great loss it's just that guy that stretches in the two crappy fantastic four movies uh i can allow this pick <laughs> yeah i mean reed is like this i've i've made this argument you know very frequently and i still still kind of hold myself to it i feel like the fantastic four as a regular comic people aren't interested in like their own Fantastic Four stories, but in terms of as an asset to the universe at large, all those characters like have a role to play and everyone kind of likes them being um, cross-pollinated with the, rest of, with the rest of the universe. That's why crossovers tend to have the Fantastic Four in them almost all the time. You know, well, the big Marvel crossover that's coming now is going to have the Fantastic Four figure prominently. Given Sean's level of knowledge about the, the comic book universe, I can only assume that there's a lot of strategery involved in this pick <laughs> in terms of things coming down. Honestly, I'm waiting for, I want to bounce a lot of my picks off other, like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to talk about this without spoiling it. 
All right. The characters I want to draft, I need characters who are white now to have been redrafted by somebody else. And then my character is just going to, oh, it's going to come in. It's going to make an impact. Okay. I got it. But I can't do that until these characters get drafted first. Got so you, do- you have to be a little bit more strategic and defensive. Um, I'm sorry, reactive. Not- Playing defensively does not hurt me. The white characters are the ones who perform. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll hop in because in the last round, you know, we had the black delegation draft uh, Galactus or Balactus as, as it were. And, um, you know, Reed and Galactus have some history. So, um, you know, uh, one of the bl- black delegation captains said, should we find it offensive that this Reed guy pulled a strap on Balactus when he pulled up? And then, you know, the other captain said, now nah, we good. That's why we have the silver swagger surfer on him, you know. And um, in general, a lot of people said, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of white jokes about Reed. Uh, someone said, uh, Stony Todd on Twitter said uh, he leaves Ben Grimm as the thing. So he has a colored friend. Um, there was some positivity about the pick. I think that was about it. I think, I think there were a lot of like, yeah, yeah, Reed is definitely a white guy. You know, well, you with that. Let me just say it's nice to see that the black delegation still continues to embrace both on the nose and satire in the same Senate. <laughs> you know what I was thinking? If the black delegation does draft Silver Surfer, it would be the first black Doctor Who because that's basically <laughs> what Dan Slot made the character. Yeah, he really did. I mean, I I I was a little disappointed on if I'm being honest that they went for uh, Silver went for Galactus over Silver Surfer. Um, I think that there's I think that there's a compelling black story for the Silver Surfer, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get we'll get it this time out, or maybe around from now. Although I, I think that I think that we've been we've been arguing about this in the group. I think that the uh, the black delegation feels that by drafting Galactus, they have infused blackness in all of their heralds through the power cosmic, you know. But somebody's got to draft Franklin because then Galactus <laughs> is his herald. I know. Then you know, all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, if, if if you draft him. Then, then it's a white person owning a black person. It's, it's, it's cosmic slavery, and nobody wants that. Nope. And uh, th- so that brings us to the Jewish delegation who went off board. Uh, surprisingly, they went with um, a character from the Wildstorm universe, which, um, have you been reading Wildstorm books, any, uh, Sean? I've read the first three issues Warren Ellis wrote but that wasn't Wildstorm yet it was the one before okay I can't remember what it's called or um I don't what team is she on she's on planetary right I think she's she on, on the authority planetary? I believe authority. she's on the authority the thing that led to authority Warren Ellis wrote that so I'm was reading that, Stormwatch? that. Was, was that Stormwatch yes Stormwatch that's the one yeah so I I have to admit I I mean I go back to like the early 90s Wildstorm stuff, not the stuff since DC acquired Wildstorm. Um, at some point, I'll read that stuff. But um, I, I know I know we're talking way way over your head, Marquis. But you know, it's it's, it's hard to talk about this character. Uh, oh, and- well, I've been paying attention in the discourse, so I actually feel like I know quite a bit about the Authority now. Okay, yeah. So um, you know, for the people, I suppose we'll say the Jewish delegation drafted Angela Laspica 
the engineer. Now, my understanding about the character, because I actually don't know a lot about her, is that she's a little bit of a little bit of a every every tech fix. Um, Sean, do you do you know a lot about the the engineer? Uh only that she's fucking awesome. Like she she's like the she's almost the audience character, I would say. Okay. But she's also like she's like the old badass of the team. And I'm like, oh, it's an interesting character. I like her. I like everything Warren Ellis writes is great. And I'm having a really good time reading this. Yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping that uh, Annie would be would, would give us a little more backstory about the character because the character does seem like an awesome character. Born in Queens, so that's that's already already some props. You know, she's uh, she grew up obsessed with superheroes and then she, you know, uh, dabbled in nanotechnology and now she's got all this uh, liquid metal in her bloodstream. And yeah, she sort of took over uh, as, you know, she became a founding member of the authority. And um, yeah, I would, I would offer up some reading lists for, for anyone that wants to learn a little bit more about uh, Angela, uh, AKA engineer. The, the one downside though, from a, from a scoring perspective is that I don't believe that there are currently, I think that the Wildstorm books just ended, right? I think Warren Ellis did say, yes, they are canceled. Because he had, I think, two issues left, and they're not coming out. I'm not sure about that, though. That was one of those things that, you know, mm -hmm. like I see it in my feed, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, but doesn't isn't relevant to me, so I'm not going to remember. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's possible that this is a great pick from a um, building up visibility for your roster standpoint because of how cool the character is but from a fcl scoring perspective mm -hmm. the character it may be a little bit of reach of you know in terms of fourth round scoring but i'm very honestly I, if the I, shows up in anything sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no i was just gonna make my joke that it wouldn't be this draft if there wasn't at least one character <laughs> to score zero points in each round that, that is a fair point I, I i need to take that into account but um, listen, people who know the authority, uh, our friend Toast from the Black Dele Delegation, you know, says things are getting real. Respect all who are in the authority. The Angela Speaker, the engineer is amazing. You know, so listen, there's love. There's love for the authority and there's love for there's love for Angela. So, you know, uh, as as Annie says, she's the Reed Richards of Wildstorm. Um, she's someone who's can be both a carrier and make copies of herself and survive in space and create literally anything out of the environment around her. So, you know, if, if we get some issues, uh, you know, in the next couple months, or if they, if the, if those um, Wildstorm characters get integrated into the DC universe proper, I'm sure she'll make an impact. Um, I know you're more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy, Sean, but um, you know, Hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll both be enjoying uh, what transpires in in the coming months in the DC side of things. Yeah, I, that's kind of I'm like this is just a good reason to read some some stuff I didn't know. Like I I know nothing about the Flash currently. Like no clue, nothing. Yeah, I'm definitely behind on the Flash. I mean, the Flash back in the '90s was one of my was one of my faves um, during I think the Mark Wade run. Um, and but then a little bit of John's as well. But this was Wally West, not Barry Allen. 
And, you know, Wally West is still out there to be drafted, people. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are thinking. But, uh, but yeah. So, so that brings us to the fifth pick. Now, we've raved on this show about the Latinx team and about the powerful picks that the Latinx team has been making and how, you know, everyone's playing for second. But there's a strong argument to be made that the Asian delegation has been keeping up pick for pick with the Latinx delegation between Tony Stark, Batman, and Professor X. And listen, they came strong. They came strong with the fourth pick. They drafted Emma Frost as their... Okay, let let's let let's let's hear it, Sean. Let's see, let's hear your. Uh, I think you're gonna get a little this. You're gonna get a little uh, pushback on this, Mike. Looking forward you to that. Not reliably, Brett, on any character in a Krakoan book right now, because even if they do show up, and some of them don't even show up in their own books, they very often don't get to do very much. But this is Emma. They, were, they will appear. They're not bad drafts, but like the first two, Batman and uh, an Iron Man. And Iron Man, those ones are gonna kill. So the other two have the potential to kill. They could destroy. Mike, that. Like, education like, Emma Frost. Is this the same as the amazing. lame Frost character? Is this the same as the lame Frost character on the Flash? No, 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 no. 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 That's so, so Emma Frost, because <laughs> that character is awful. No, Emma Frost is a Marvel character. Um, I don't know if you've seen. Look, so she's she's. I'll, I'll admit she's never been done justice. Uh, in the Fox uh, Marvel movies, but she was in X-Men First Class. Okay, so wait, can I just say this? Is it just characters who relate to ice or snow or cold weather that I don't remember in movies? Because also... It might be. <laughs> I didn't remember Iceman, and I don't remember Emma Frost from the <laughs> X-Men movie. So, so one, I'm trying to figure out the best way to like quickly explain Emma Frost. She is a telepath like Professor X, she ran a rival school. Right. She ran a rival school. She's generally uh, very uh, sex positive in terms of her persona. She dresses very provocatively. Um, As do I. <laughs> and, um, you know, she's a bit, she's rich and rich and powerful. She's a fashionista. She's, yo, she's also been associated very strongly with the Hellfire Club. Are, have you, are you familiar with the Hellfire Club? Yeah, X-Men first class, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's generally been positioned as either the white queen or some kind of uh, major authority figure in the Hellfire Club. So she engages in machinations kind of behind the scenes. And But she's also, in recent years, had a uh, romance with Cyclops. Um, she was, they, they had a pretty strong um, romance after Jean Grey died or right before Jean Grey died, actually. And, um, you know, she, she's played on that hero-villain um, tweener side for a long time now. Um, and she's often positioned as kind of like the bad girl rival to Jean Grey. All of the, all of the best X-Men have shades of gray. Yeah. In my opinion. And Emma Frost is one of the best. Right. And also, I really like her with Cyclops. I know everybody doesn't like that, but whatever. 
And I'm amazed we haven't seen their kid from the future yet. You know, I'm like, when that character comes, I'm all in on that character. I didn't even know they had a, a future child. They don't. That's what I'm saying. We haven't oh, seen one yet. Like, he's seen- got like three future kids, but none of them are with Emma. So question, from an FCL perspective, if we're introduced to a child of Scott Summers and Emma Frost from a, from a future, does that count as a character development by implication for Emma? Yes. Okay. Even though it hasn't happened in the present day, just the implication that it will happen is enough for a character development. Our character developments originally, like way back in like 2014, before we had refined everything perfectly, mm-hmm. was, is this noteworthy? Would you talk about this? Okay, Emma Frost yeah. meeting their future child? Yeah, that's pretty... Fair enough. It's pretty notable. Yeah, so, it's, so she's both... I would say as, as of how she's being presented now, she's being presented as on par with Magneto and Professor X as far as like the movers and shakers in the mutants. And Emma Frost is going to get that team more points than Professor X is going to get them. You think? Professor X doesn't do anything. He really doesn't. It's I mean, his dream, and that's about it. He's died. He's died for his dream and come back. That's what he's done so far. I mean, he's, he's out there. I mean, he's not using his powers as much as, as much as he usually does. I mean, he's usually, he's doing telepathy. You know, he's, he's out there. He's making calls. He's telling people what to do. He's leading. You know, I... He's like a solid three points in appearance, you know? Emma could get you a lot of points. Like that last issue of Marauders. That is ooh, a point. Killed it. Yeah. I think I had like Emma has a thing, uh, Marky. Emma also has a thing. They added, a, I think it was, um, who was the, was it Morrison who added the secondary mutation? But um, Yeah, yeah it was has, Morrison. So she, ha- she has a mutation now, in addition to her telepathy, where she can turn into diamond. Um, so in the field that makes her even more powerful because she can be a physical force as well as a, a mental force. Ah. Well, now that you say Diamond, I definitely remember exactly who this character is now. I was trying to remember the character in the X-Men First Class who shot ice from her fingers and was coming over the blank. No, she didn't shoot ice from her fingers. She's, but you remember the diamonds and you remember the, the, mental, the mental powers. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally on top of this pick now. Yeah. So, uh, and, and listen, the Asian delegation, in, in as much as they drafted the character, they also, also provided, her, provided us with a fantasy uh, a casting, a fan casting. And that's uh, Gemma Chan, uh, she of Crazy Rich Asians. You, uh, did you see Crazy Rich Asians, Marquis? Love Crazy Rich Asians, to be honest with you. I was actually pleasantly surprised that I could fall that deeply into a romantic comedy. I actually was bawling by the end of the movie, and I'm not afraid to tell that to the internet. Listen, I, I bawled multiple, multiple times when I saw that movie, and I, I tell that whenever I can. I guess uh, my only commentary on this is, especially learning all this backstory on Emma Frost and the points that this character seems like she'll be able to accrue, it does sort of show that the, the Asian delegation is playing the game on a very strategic, very deep dive sort of level. And a lot of the, the powers that they're assessing might really be a threat down the line when they come together and points start to be accumulated. Mm-hmm. But let me jump in with the uh, Asian delegation's uh, backstory for Emma Frost, for, the, for their, their Emma Frost. Born in Singapore, Frost left their wealthy family and moved to San Francisco with nothing. She survived and paid her way through Stanford and establishes a school in Oakland to compete with Professor X's SF, uh, sorry, San Francisco Chinatown School. 
Later, after her Oakland school was burned down by humans, she teams with Professor X to open an Oakland branch and lead his team of X-Men. Her backstory is an homage to Chan's character in Crazy Rich Asians and Bruce Lee's real-life conflict with San Francisco Chinatown martial arts schools. So I like the way he melded, uh, th sorry if you don't know this, but in the beginning when we were first introduced to Emma Frost in the mainstream Marvel comics, she ran a competing school and that school was uh, actually uh, overrun by humans. And then she sort of links up with uh, an uneasy uh, partnership with Professor X and establishing an affiliated school through her. But she bears that weight of, the, of having lost her students and feeling like she failed them. That's one thing that even, at, even when she's at her most villainous, she's, she, she has a soft spot for kids and wanting to uh, educate and protect mutant children. I actually feel like also, Mike, it seems like this character being drafted by the Asian delegation, a lot of the things we've talked about in terms of stereotype threat and model, model minority issues can definitely be addressed here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, there's, I think there's a lot of fertile ground to cover when it comes to mutants and the idea of the mito minority, you know, that would, would, really, would really play out more if there were, um, you know, a lot more um, Asian mutants in the forefront. I mean, there obviously are a few, but their, their storytelling is kind of few and far between. Makes perfect sense if she's a, a, a sort of mirror-verse version of Professor X that these issues would, would be perfect since he's a, another model minority type character. Mm -hmm. As we discussed on the show before. Right. Um, so we got a little feedback that our, our um, one of our, one of my uh, friends from Twitter, uh, Natalie Reed says, fucking nice. So, I mean, that's pretty succinct. Um, I believe, oh, we, a little bit more, a little more backstory. Or, or explanation, I suppose. And um, uh, Ron Solo, the, the captain, says he drafted Emma Frost for a comic race bending, but mostly because he just wanted to see, uh, mostly because he wanted to see Emma, uh, Gemma Chan player. And Gemma Chan is, is an, an amazing presence. And I would, love, I would love her to play a role such as this. I mean, she's gonna, she, they liked her so much that they brought her back for Eternals. And I'm going to be curious to see you know, what element she brings to that character. I, of course, uh, chimed in. I said that there, uh, you know, there was a commentary in the, in the group about how uh, the Asian delegation is definitely the richest of our, <laughs> our teams. And that's four for four with crazy rich Asians, you know, because they've got uh, Bruce Wayne money, Tony Stark money, <laughs> Esther X money, and uh, Emma Frost money. And right now, Emma Frost money is long. Clearly building an amazing <laughs> empire here. Exactly. Um, we had uh, Walker, we had C. Walker say that, you know, the MCU X-Men wish they could get casting that good. And that's about it. I mean, you guys have any other thoughts about, about this draft pick? Um, from my perspective, I think it's a, it's a solid pick. Um, I'm always happy in every round of the draft to learn more about a character I probably should have known about if I had been paying attention to the movies or comics I've been exposed to in my life. So happy that this is that pick for this particular round and excited to go forward on that. Oh, cool. And that brings us to the sixth pick. Oh, wait. 
did I did I miss a pick? Hmm. Sorry, guys. That's a little 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 technical difficulty on my part. Uh, for new audience members, we lean into technical difficulties on this show, so this will not be edited, and you all can embrace it and have a good laugh in the Discord. Ah, uh, yes. I now see. So the sixth pick was uh, chosen by our fan draft. So we only found out about this pick uh, this morning or late last night, as it were. And that is our, that is our friends at the Polynesian, the Polynesian team. And they drafted, well, they, they based, on, based on our fan poll, which hopefully you guys will participate in this time out, they drafted the Scarlet Witch. Now, remember, the Scarlet Witch has been part of a number of nominations. So I'm sure that the Polynesian de delegation were really happy to get her. And they actually came through with a fan cast, which I urge you guys to check out on either our Facebook or our Twitter uh, page. And that's, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, I apologize. Awimai Frazier um, is the actress that, the, that they cast, that, uh, that Tomati uh, cast. And there's an extensive backstory that I'm going to try to, gonna try to uh, uh, pay justice to. The Tohunga Aruga were the highest class of priests in Maori society. Of this class of Tohunga women were the most powerful as they were, have a direct lineage and linked to Te Ira Atua, spiritual realm of the gods. They were also able to manifest the energies from this dimension in the physical world. By Western definitions, Tohunga Aruga would be described as a combination of scientist and sorceress. The Tohunga Suppression Act of 1907 was an act of the New Zealand parliament aimed at replacing Tohunga as traditional Maori healers with modern medicine. The act was repealed by the Maori Welfare Act of 1962, but even so, it effectively wiped out these practices. In 1990, a baby girl by the name of Amarangi was placed up for adoption. All she knew of her birth parents were that they were young and of Maori descent. She was raised by Tom and Moira Marsden. Her adoptive parents worked for international aid agencies. This would see them travel around the world with a young Amarangi by their side. Her parents noted that wherever they went, communities around the world would make a point of singling out Amarangi. They would give her titles of gifted one or child of two worlds. Eventually, she would emigrate to the U.S., where she had a happy and uneventful adolescence. It was that, it was, that was until her mutant ability began to manifest. Her powers displayed as chaos magic that, was, that affected probability fields around her. It was later revealed that, in fact, she's a powerful Tahunga Aruga. She is a magic nexus between worlds who draws her powers directly from the deity Quiro, god of chaos. She eventually came to the attention of Professor X and Emma Frost who took her in and helped her. It would be Emma Frost who would help her realize the extent of her powers. With training, she unlocked abilities to alter reality in unspecified ways and became a powerful sorceress. Her powers were described as reality warping and chaos magic. It is stated that she has mutant magic and the primal source of her chaos magic is cosmic. It is confirmed that she was born with the ability to utilize witchcraft and that this has been seen in other women within her lineage. Ultimately, she is a magic conduit to attract all forms of magic between dimensions. She has been a member of the X-Men, the Avengers, and is currently in a team with Storm, Blue Marvel, and Namor. Her role in the team is as a mentor and the ultimate defense against magical attacks. Namor sees her as a powerful weapon that could sway a battle by uttering three words, no more blank. 
So as usual, Tomati came with a super extensive backstory, uh, one that touches in, uh, that touches on, sorry, um, a lot of cultural uh, points and goes through history and, and, you know, it's really unassailable in that, in that respect. However, let's find out what the FCL uh, scoring uh, would say about uh, Scarlet Witch as a pick. First off, I'm going to respond as the white captain because the Scarlet Witch was in so many polls. I was just going to like, if she wasn't in a poll this week, I was just going to grab her. And then I was just going to like turn her into like the shitty Fox first version <laughs> of the character. Just remove anything that made her special. You know, like no Romani roots, no Magneto, no any of this. Get that all out of here. And that was going to be my Scarlet Witch. I'm She's very like glad suburban, suburban that didn't happen. This is, this is such a great story backstory and like the character makes more sense in this backstory than she does in the marvel universe <laughs> so i'm i love the pick also scarlet witch again mutant you know who who knows she's not part is of the krakoa book is she but, mutant though it's, it's no she's like the sworn enemy of the krakoan mutants actually so I feel like really it's only a matter of time. She's not really appearing in all that much right now. Like she, she might be appearing in Star next month. Well, she, and was she might get a lot of ass in that issue. Yeah, she's been in Star. She's in Strange it. Academy, right? Isn't she in Strange Academy? And the first couple, I, I don't even know if I've read the second one yet, but the first issue of Strange Academy was just like an appearance, you know? Yeah. We're not really I, doing I, much. I had the first, Academy. It felt like she was going to be part of the regular you know, part of the regular cast of that. That would be great, because she needs a book. Yeah, I mean, she's not she's not currently in the Avengers. Um, like you said, she, you know, she popped up in Star, and she did a lot in that book. We've um, gotten a lot of guest stars over, yeah. over the first few months, or I guess not the first few months, but like the last few months of last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Scarlet Witch has always survived being canceled, but she's not thriving right now. Right. I mean, I still think that that, that card, the Scarlet Witch versus uh, the Krakoan mutants, it's just sort of waiting there, waiting there to play out. Um, the, to me, you know, my, my main critique of, of the pick, though, is that, well, not the pick itself, but the sort of reimagining, is that there's so much rich history between Scarlet Witch and Magneto that you know you don't want to leave that unaddressed like it's 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 important for her and all the things that she's done that she for many years believed herself to be magneto's daughter and you know even up to now there's still a camp that feels like she still should be magneto's daughter um you know it's 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 one of the things that motivated her to be a hero um to sort of atone for the sins of her father not to mention, of course, her her twin brother, who, you know, is not without his flaws, but they have a strong bond as well. I respect that opinion, Mike, but I got to say, I, I love the lost legacy aspects that have been added to this character. I find that emotive, evocative, something that, that transcends many cultures in modern society and reclaiming lost legacy and turning it into, into something powerful and empowering. Is, is a startling way to go with this pick for the Polynesian team. So I, I, I love that sort of re- 
the imagined aspect of this character. Okay. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would, I would also say that who knows how, how things are going to play out in, you know, obviously there's this, there's the WandaVision um, Marvel television show that's supposed to come out at some point in the indeterminate future. Once we get out of coronavirus, we're going to run out of content soon, Mike. And then that's when society will truly collapse. You know, a lot there's of no new net. There was there was definitely an iconic content. an iconic romance between Scarlet Witch and Vision, which um, at least doesn't appear to have been addressed by this backstory. I would hope that you know any that the reimagining wouldn't foreclose the idea of her having the romance with the synthetic human, and you know all of the the ups and downs that that entailed. Not to well, and there's and there's the the other part, which is that you know she has two children in the Marvel universe. I don't know if you're aware of that, Marquis. Um, those children are are part of the Young Avengers. There was you know, time related chicanery, and um, you know they were able to to be aged up uh, relatively quickly through magic, and they're they're also kind of. Uh, they they also spent a huge amount of time trying to reconnect with their with their familiar bond uh, to the mother that you know they felt like they they were lacking. So there's there's a, there's a you know there's a totally unrelated Mike. That's literally you just described the plot of Sabrina season three. So weird. Just watched it last <laughs> week. I have I've never seen one minute of a Sabrina show, but that is that is uh, good to know. There's, there's a little cross bond. Wanda's kids are not safe. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> How powerful are those kids? That uh, could be interesting. Son, Wiccan is like, they call him the Demager. In the future, he basically rewrites reality. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what this show is all about, is rewriting reality. That's got to happen now. Right. So he's, he's, been, he's been left out there. And uh, it's, it's been quite a few rounds. So, uh, if you're in the Polynesian delegation, you might want to might want to uh, take notes. Better watch your back, there, boy. Exactly. And uh, let's see, let's see what people. You know, we got some. We got we got a lot of positivity. We got a, a Mahesian uh, on Twitter said that she loved how she how how uh, they brought real issues to the Maori face with the Tahunga Act. Uh, Maori, Tomati, you know, gave his kudos for that. Let's see what else we got for that one. Um, I actually also mm-hmm. really like that aspect. I don't, I don't know much about these cultures. So like anytime a bit of real life culture is put into the draft pick, I'm like, that is cool to learn. Oh, for sure. I've been having a good time with all these stories. Honestly, guys, my IQ has already increased by 20 points just by listening to the backstories for the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, our friend Annie from the group, she, um, or uh, co-captain of Team Israel, she's, she's a, that is a Fran Drescher, Fran Drescher uh, gif, because, uh, you know, they, they, that's a little bit of an L for them, because Scarlet Witch is a little, you know, she's, she's canonically Jewish. Gone. Be God you lost it to somebody who took love and care into creating a new person. That is fair. That is fair. It could have been much worse. 
you're right. It could have been could have been uh, uh, Scarlet Scarlet uh, the Teenage Witch. <laughs> um, but that brings us to the seventh pick. The seventh pick is our Native American contingent, and they came with it. You know, I, I guess I feel like sometimes there's a competition between the Native American contingent and the um, Polynesian contingent when it comes to really giving the characters like the strong the strong ground level backstories. So they drafted uh, Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, OG. And um, let me see, let me see whether I can do justice to, to uh, Joaquin, um, Joaquin's story. His name is Jalen Konaki, two flames or two fires. His people are stricken with disease. He goes to medicine men wanting a cure and an answer to what is causing this. The medicine men tell him to leave it in the hands of the creator. Out of desperation, he proceeds to perform a ceremony contrary to his people's belief. He's approached by one who he calls the deceiver. The deceiver makes the deal, sells his spirit, only to find that over half his tribe is wiped out due to the disease. This anchors, this angers Jalen. He asks the deceiver why he took half his people. He laughs, looking at Jalen, only saying, you wanted a cure. All the sick are now dead. He strips Jalen of his flesh. You now belong to me, he says. Jalen, angered by his double cross, is then engulfed in flames. The deceiver places a war bonnet of fire upon Jalen's exposed skull, not as a sign of honor, but as a mockery. The deceiver grants him the power of hellfire. He's granted the power of manifesting four sacred animals, the buffalo, the eagle, the wolf, and the bear. He's able to manifest weapons from hellfire, the tomahawk, bows and arrows, even rifles. He can haunt an individual, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Walk through walls, give someone vivid nightmares. The bonnet he wears is a reminder to take on the deceiver, to avenge his tribe, and to distribute his method of dark justice. And that's a gross writer. Guys, guys, am I the only one who was stunned by how much of a natural fit this character was for this backstory? It, it's like it was an intrinsic to the character. I was like amazed at the way this just perfectly seemed. No, I agree. I think this was, didn't Joaquin personally write this one? Yeah, no, they, yeah, he wrote, wrote it. This yeah. It, it's so good every time. They just, they kill it every time. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to knock. It's, I mean, um, right now, Ghost Rider has his own book. Um, he's, you know, Johnny Blaze is the, what is he, is he the king of hell right now? The ruler of hell? Uh, I haven't read the Ghost Rider book. And a couple issues. I'm behind. Guys, um, I got to interrupt here. That is also a part of the plot of Sabrina season three that I just watched. Last week. That is totally also a part of the season of Sabrina. Sorry. Back to the podcast. I think he's supposed. Like, he's no longer the king of hell. He's teaming up with Danny Ketch, and I don't remember why. So, so my I'm understanding, I think I'm an issue behind. But my understanding is that there are people who are trying to get him out of out of his role of King of Hell. But he still is. And they're right, and they've escaped um, into the real world. Basically, uh, Mephisto, who's trapped in in Vegas, um, is trying to kind of use this as a means to get back his power. So Blaze is is, is out of Hell chasing down these fugitives, and he's enlisted, he's enlisted his brother Danny to to take him out. You know- Just cool pause. Um, the event that put Mephisto into Vegas, 
that was written by Nick Spencer. It was like a Doctor Strange event. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I that was the last prominent event Falcon was involved in. Oh, was Falcon in that? Yeah, he was. It was Falcon, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, and Iron oh, Fist. Iron Maybe. Fist. And then they did the uh, the Sun, the Midnight Suns or whatever they're called. Yeah, it was I think it was Midnight Suns Damnation. Is that what it was called? I think it was just called Damnation because Doctor Strange was the the lead for it. Okay. Yeah, Doctor Strange Damnation. That's yeah. Falcon was in that event. Yeah, I remember that there was a I, I remember that there was a moment where the Avengers got possessed by hell by the forces of hell, and I I did but I didn't remember that. Jane, I think, was in it. Jane was the the Thor. Jane Thor, yeah. But yeah, Johnny, you know, Johnny and Johnny popped up in in the Aaron Avengers run because Aaron wrote him, I believe, when he wrote when he wrote his Ghost Rider run. Yes, he did. Right. So yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so you know, Blaze is out there. You know, he'll he'll score his points. Um, but. Honestly, who cares? That was such a great backstory. Oh no! Listen, it, I mean, I'm 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 trying to do both. I'm trying to say the backstory there it's unassailable, but in terms of the strategy of it all, you know, given that we have three Ghost Riders, I would say that Johnny is still the most beloved of the three. Um, I'm not Johnny's probably the most prominent of the three, though. Because um, you can do both yeah. things: score points and do backstory. That's truly the perfect fit. Right. You know, I think that. Um, you know, there, there's been some controversy as of late because there was the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider who was, you know, well-liked in, you know, both mostly well-liked, I would say, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know if you've watched mm-hmm. that show, Marky. Um, yeah, yeah, I was there for at least most of the first Ghost Rider arc on that show. I think he might have come back and I'm not up to that part yet. Yeah, it wasn't, it, he didn't come back for very long, but, you know, a lot of people love that character. And when there was a rumor that they were going to be doing the Ghost Rider uh, television series, he was supposed to lead that, Robbie Reyes. So, you know, I think there was some disappointment that, um, you know, it, it appears that to the extent that there may be some Ghost Rider activity happening in the MCU, it's probably going to be involving Johnny Blaze again, which is, you know, bad for, bad for fans of Robbie Reyes, but good for people who are looking to see Johnny Blaze, you know, stay, stay prominent. I'm still holding out for Ghost Rider 3 with Nick Cage. That's my dream. <sighs> you know, I've never... I'm Robbie Rand. I don't care about Johnny Blaze or Danny Ketch. I, w- I don't like Danny Ketch. I've never liked Danny Ketch. Um, so I was hoping that we'd get a Ghost Rider book that was Johnny and Robbie. You know, like they haven't really spent a lot of time together and that would be an interesting dynamic. The OG with a young guy who's still kind of figuring out what it means to be spirit of vengeance and listen if you're a drafter you know listen robbie reyes is still in the avengers officially so you know if you're thinking about drafting somebody uh captains give it some thought you're likely to get a hell charger in space so yeah it's pretty cool stuff i agree um and of course that anything is better if you add in space to it in and yeah, so the final pick that the final pick from that we got 
was uh, the multiracial via poll again. And this was a runaway poll result. It really was. It wasn't even close. Right now, we got, it ended with 78% of the voters picking this, this poll. The why, other, Mike? Tell us why. I mean, I think it was just a natural fit. The choices were Franklin Richards, T'Challa, and the winner of the poll who got 78%, Mystique. Um, it's hard to argue against it. You know, for all we know, she's multiracial and has always been multiracial anyway. Um, you know, there are, there's a lot of realm to cover with the character as far as, you know, she's been around for hundreds of years. She's probably lived as multiple ethnicities and, you know, she can bring to the table that, that aspect in her, in her character today. Uh, what did you think about this pick, Sean, when you heard about it? I also, I agree. It was a natural fit. I was like, she's like all racial, you know, I was like, that pan-racial like how would you describe that somebody who's everything yeah maybe poly like her default form is what like a blue blue shape so it's like yeah she's a, she's a bit of everything I, I like it it's a natural fit yeah and i've always been a, a fan of you know the idea of if, if she's ever going to be played you know in the movies that she should be played by you know by a woman of color um, you know for for that reason um, you know, she's gonna she's gonna be assuming many forms anyway, so it shouldn't be if there's any character that shouldn't be sort of defaulted to one because is, is, is one of them as far as the X characters are concerned. Now, from an FPL perspective, Mystique as a fantasy comic league, mm -hmm. I would bet on Mystique over most mutants on Krakoa because here's one of the most important things you got to consider when drafting a Krakoan mutant. Are they on the Quiet Council? Because the Quiet Council appears in every issue and they always get points for doing some business. That's true. Mystique is on that council and she sh shapeshifts all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Mystique also could possibly be the downfall of Krakoa. It's a, it's a good pick. It's a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of elements. Um, the one knock I would say, and it's a, sh it's a shame because I really do like Mystique as a character. She doesn't show up enough in non-X books. You know, I you rarely see her outside of outside of the X realm, and she should. You know, she's probably. I would, I would say that's true now, but Mystique has always been one of those characters. If she doesn't have a book, she appears somewhere. You know. Yeah. People are always using Mystique whenever they get the chance. I just think she's pretty locked down with the mutants right now. That's probably true, and like you said, she could possibly be the downfall of Krakoa. So, you know, she's. Right now, is she she is she in X Force or, or am I making that up? No, she's. I don't. Maybe she. No, Domino. It's Domino. Okay, just Domino. Mystique has been Mystique has been fairly prominent in the main X Men book. Right. Yeah. No. No. That for sure. I just wasn't sure if she was. No. You know what she's in? Isn't she in the um? No. No. I'm I'm mixing her up with. I was gonna say is she, this this the the Marauders book. Not not Marauders. The um. Hel Hellion's book is that the one that's yeah. yeah is she supposed to be in the Hellion's book no I think that's Psylocke oh, oh well or I guess yeah she's Psylocke now right yeah she's Psylocke how do you pronounce her actual name yeah Quanin, um, Quanin? she's now Psylocke but um 
I mean, I, I could see her playing a role in that book as well. Because at some point, she's going to have to, you know, amass a cadre of villains to help her with what... I actually think that's going to be the Sinister book. You know, Sinister is going to be the one gathering villains. But Sinister's in, in Hellions. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm oh, saying. You, in you think that's Hellions? What saying. That's what the Hellions book is going to be. Right. Well, I, I mean, I agree with that, but I, I, I would imagine if we're going to think about two characters who are sort of perfectly paired for forming some kind of uneasy and not alliance sinister and mystique seem like the perfect perfect pair but yeah that i mean that essentially rounds out our our our, our fourth round you know there were, there were some highs and lows in there um, mostly highs honestly and um you know i i suppose now's as good a time as any to sort of transition into what we think is going to play out in the fifth round. Uh, let's start to Marquis, you know, since you're, you know, you're a little bit uh, unbiased. <laughs> well, I think, like I said earlier, I'm surprised by how, how many deep, super powerful characters are still out there to be drafted. I'm utterly blown away by the backstories. I, I think that's actually only getting better and stronger every week. And like we said, there are some, some real world events going on out there that I feel like no matter what, as people are creating these narratives and stories and, and trying to make them resonate with the real world and also sort of inform how we're viewing the real world, I think we're going to uh -oh. see a little bit of that creep into these picks, uh, just as sort of a way of coping and healing with things out there. So I'm looking forward to that. as just sort of a place to grow and heal for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing that I think, I mean, you know, just by monitoring the group, you know, uh, shout out to the group, is that, um, yeah, I, I think that we've already seen some um, calling of their shots, you know, for, for a while now, we had S on, on the show, and she was very clear about the fact that she wants T'Challa on Team Latinx, and even though, even though she's got the last pick, of the round, you know, if 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 nobody drafts T'Challa, I think that I think that the Latinx team, especially having you know shored up as many points as they as they have on the fantasy comics league, you know, would be ready to make a vanity pick. Well, and let's be real, Mike. I'm starting to wonder if T'Challa is ever actually going to be available to anyone. <laughs> I feel like he's always going to be blocked and then voted against for some reason, for reasons I cannot quite ascertain. I mean, that is a very, that's, listen, that is a super sound strategy, <laughs> you know, um, trying to, to keep, keep away, keep away Black Panther. Round 12 draft pick. <laughs> what did you say? Round 12 draft pick. <laughs> because he's been in every round's uh, poll. I was going to say, maybe, maybe I should lock down Black Panther. Nobody will vote to put him on my team. And then she gets first pick at him next round. But oh, then somebody that, will come on the podcast and lock them down. So it doesn't even matter. I'm stunned by what's happening with this pick. It's like if you pick them in your poll, make sure you want the opposite character. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. Um, but you know, I, I would say that I would say that there are some 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 people, um, especially the black team, they dropped right before the Latinx team, I feel like they at least have to make a defensive pick that time out. But um, so that's one. I, I think that we're definitely going to get some, some interesting, you know, Joaquin is very into the, into the backstories. So I, I, I eagerly await 
what what's coming on his side of things. Um, as always, we we await we await a little bit of backstory from the multiracial team. You know, I think that Mystique's a great character. I think that all their drafts have been you know pretty good. And um, you know, they get the first pick. They get the first pick in round five, so they can they can throw it throw everything off, uh, set the tone. Um, and yeah, I mean, now's as good a time as any for uh, Sean to come come with some nominees for the white designation. Okay, first off, though, I got go ahead, Sean. No. Say Black Panther. Say Black Panther. Say it. Say T'Challa. Well, Just say it. Put us out of our misery. <laughs> I already talked to Michael, and I was like, I'm just gonna do this full villain. You know, we're gonna add like a horror theme to it. You know, it's like. I'm going to pick three people that those teams will not want to lose. So you're going to have to vote for the other guy's team to save your pick. Oh, this but I don't know if that's the, is this the right time to do that? Strategery, strategery on strategery. Cause I'll do it for the laughs, but if it's inappropriate at this time, I, I will not do it. Um, I, I just want to reiterate that Sean is Canadian. So is <laughs> his, his his whiteness is is sort of cut a little bit by the fact that that he's not from uh, the uh, from the states. So you know, go go full villain. It's cool. Okay. I'm going full villain then. You know, and this, is, this is what I'm gonna do. Okay, so I will give you my first of three. All right. Um, I almost want to so give you. Do I give you the? I almost want to. I almost want to give you four. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. You know what? Executive decision. You get four nominees. But the best, the best fourth one is so reliant on. Okay, you know what? I can't, I can't use this fourth one now. Somebody draft. Hold on, I gotta bring up my camera. I can't see my camera right now. I'm trying to read my picks. Zoom. You see this fucking character right here? You see him? <laughs> he wants to be drafted, people. Draft the Hulk. And he's a go Guys, you got to get on the Patreon and see what we're seeing. You got to get on it. That's right. Immortal Hulk. Best book around. You'll get lots of points. I agree. So I'm going to do my first pick. So I was looking, once again, for things that either fit my theme of white jokery or white fuckery. I guess when they screw up really bad, the first one falls into that second category. Curtis Holt was a young, brilliant know-it-all oh, no. and put them up in conversation like his idol Socrates. All this really did in reality was make him a prick, but he was also quite successful. He went on to create Brother I, which thank you to the DC five year later timeline, went on to destroy humanity. So Mr. Terrific is on is on the list. <laughs> so real quick, you said Curtis Holt, but he's Michael Holt. Is he? I I named him Curtis Holt after the the guy who played him. Yeah, like you know, he's 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 Michael Holt in the comics and Curtis Holt in the on the Arrowverse. I I, I stand by the Curtis Holt because you know what? That's an even worse version of the character. Well, as a Michael, I feel like I need to, you know, take a stand for one of the big Michaels in comics. But Mr. Terrific, what a shot across the bow for the black team. They're now in a tough spot. 
I'm sorry. I feel just a little bit bad, but not not enough. And also, there's there's more coming. <laughs> Marky, are you aware of the Mr. Terrific character? Marky, uh oh, he's like the black Mr. Fantastic. He's, he's pretty, pretty fantastic. much. He's pretty much black Tony. Pretty true. Plus, Mr. Fantastic. Um, are you are you familiar with Mr. Terrific, Marky? Sort of. I'm familiar with the name then I want to associate the face with it. So maybe educate me a little bit and I bet it will click in. All right, let's see if I can, let's see if I can pull him up and share my screen. And Your best exposure chance to him was probably on Arrow, which is a really bad take on him. Yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a really nerfed. He was the, the black gay man that worked with Felicity Smoke and eventually joined the team. Oh, that dude is awful. That's Mr. Terrific. Ugh. Again. <laughs> that dude is trash. Yeah. In, in the comics, he's awesome. Yeah. In on Arrow, he's trash. That dude and is trash. His series is ending, so good time to have him because I'm sure some significant stuff will happen at the end of that series. Oh yeah, he's in that um he's in that book, right? Yeah. Um yeah, he really is. They leaned really hard into Black Reed Richards. They probably were like, everybody keeps fan casting Reed Richards as somebody other than white. Let's launch a Terrifics book. I mean, you know, I feel like I, I like the I like Michael Holt as a character. I do feel like Mr. Terrific is is too much of a golden age like superhero name to like really have him catch on with with the modern audiences. So, you know, I think- People went to see Shazam. Did they? Did they though? <laughs> Profitable <laughs> sequel green-lighted. Yeah, but I mean, you know, bottom end of, of, of um, box office compared to, you know, even- Okay, Captain Marvel, $1 billion. That's right. I'm just saying that, I, I'm skeptical of the marketability of the name Mr. Terrific. I think if they do, like, Captain, I think if Captain the MCU Marvel can make a billion, Fantastic I feel like Four, name can do anything. When the MCU puts out Fantastic Four, DC naturally, like Warner Brothers, is naturally going to go to this team. The Terrifics? He with it, yeah. And if you market it as the Terrifics and he's Mr. Terrific of the team, the Terrifics, like Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, you could probably pull it off. Outside of that, no. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't think I would go that route because it seems too transparently uh, a copy of the Fantastic Four. Like, I think, what I'm saying is that I think that there's, I think there's a way to market Mr. Terrific um, to the masses. You just have to acknowledge that the name Mr. Terrific is goofy. You know, like you have to cast someone who's able to kind of do both, you know, be a, be a compelling hero, but also acknowledge that his name is, is a little cheesy. I have to break it to you guys. And this is as a layman. Unfortunately, all comic book names are actually goofy. <laughs> Every single one of them. Are. What about Even the Punisher? Head. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're all like bad WWE names. <laughs> Wait, are there good WWE names? Exactly. <laughs> hey, 
there's a great one that nobody ever addresses. Gold balls. <laughs> Gold balls. Please draft that called, guy. He's now called Egg. Like, this guy has the shittiest nicknames in comics. Gold balls. I, what's funny is that Gold balls totally sounds like a pro wrestler, though. <laughs> Guys, the names are all terrible. It's just how we feel about them. Superman, Batman, Iceman. It's just the backstory. You 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 raise interesting points, and I, I won't. While not completely acknowledging them as true, I'm going to acknowledge that you do have a point. Respect. So who, who's up next? Who's up next, Sean? Who are you pissing okay, off? I'm literally writing the finishing sentence. Anyhow, ladies so, and gentlemen, Jamie Reese inherits an alien that was part of a larger hive called the Reach that wanted to take control of the Earth. The Reach found a new willing host in Jamie, but it was actually his scarab that changed Jamie's heart and turned him into the hero, Blue Beetle. Jamie Reyes? You- Jamie Reese. <laughs> Reyes. I know it's Jaime, but... Oh, oh wait, because you're white. You're whitewashed. Yeah, see, it's Reese oh, for the white team. Mike, that. I need you to keep up with what's happening over there. <laughs> Clearly, it was Reese for the white white delegate. I mean, let me let me jump in real quick. Guys. You're better than this, Mike. Let me jump in real quick, just so you know. The Blue Beetle, Ted Cord is the original Blue Beetle. He's pretty. He's pretty freaking white. I'm going with like a, a young justice spin on it where he's part of the high or part of the reach. Oh no, no, I mean I, I know no, I know Jamie. But yeah, I know Ted Court is very white. Yeah. You know? I'm just but, saying that that is a that is a pretty powerful white snatch right there. Where for you to be like, we already have a version of the Blue Beetle that's super white, but we're gonna take the Latinx version of the Blue Beetle and lighten him up too. Ooh, that is that is bold, guys. Listen, voters. Just know, he's coming for next right now. Um, oh, you guys are going to hate this last one. I'm just going with three. I'm just going with three. Just going with I three. can't take the fourth. So many of my picks are reliant on other things that need to happen first. You don't want I to find it hard to believe you could even create more hate. Four bites of the colonizer apple? No, no. <laughs> it's your privilege to get four picks. It just feels appropriate. Okay, fine, fine. I'm picking my fourth pick. I'm doing it third, though, because the last one's the big one. Okay. Third is going to be Alex Wilder. I haven't created a Wilder. Yet. I'm taking Alex Wilder too. He might appear in one Runaways comic, but come on, the guy that betrays the team does that not just scream white shenanigans? I mean, it definitely screams white shenanigans. But he's the only black runaway. He's also like a pretty like he's pretty big to the magic community in there too. Now, like he's a magic user too. Just I don't have no magic on my team yet, do I? Diligent Runaways. Listen, guys, if, if you're out there, if you're fans of the Runaways, Alex Wilder. That, I feel bad, though, because I was like, that was just, I didn't want to just keep piling up on one delegation. I know. What about, listen, there's all these different groups. There's the Asians. There's the, there's the. They're reliant on other things that needed to happen first. Oh. I can't, I can't do it until right. other things happen. What these teams have to learn, Mike, is that you have to stand up the bullies. That's the only thing they respect. And if they don't stand up, they're going to continue getting bullied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Are you guys ready All for right. the big one? You guys ready for the big one? Uh, we're ready for the big one. Oof. What's that? Who's that guy? 
Is that Miles Morales? No, that's Peter Parker, but I'm taking Miles Morales. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is. Ah! Let me explain this one. I put a lot into this. Oh, no. And I don't actually get the character, so I'm going to speak it out here. You guys know what I think is the worst Spider-Man comic of all time? Superior Spider-Man. I hate the idea of Dr. Octopus controlling Peter Parker's body. I hate it so much. I hate that he kissed Mary Jane. That just, oh, that rubbed me so wrong. I hate that whole comic with my core. So, this Miles Morales, the, the one we all know and love comes from the Ultimate Universe, but what happened to the original Miles Morales? Don't say it. The white man got sent to the Phantom Zone, and then he there created a technology where he is now controlling the body of the main Miles Morales. It's like the get out. Wow, you have get outed Miles Morales. Oh my God, he's in a sunken place. What is happening? What is happening? See, I feel real bad about this, but it's it's also great. Doc Ock? Is that Doc Ock inside of the... Um... No, no, no. It's the original white Miles Morales from the main universe that the, excellent, the ultimate one displaced him, and now he is controlling him from the... I'm taking Miles Morales. I'm taking Miles Morales. I just wanted to create a version where is the white man controlling his body. So, so, just, so just so I'm getting this, he <laughs> looks like a black Latino child, but inside of him, controlling him, via, like Get Out, is a white man, is the white Miles, is it? Is the 616, so you drafted the 616 white Miles to control the Miles that we all know and love. This is what you're doing. This is yeah. what's happening. I'm taking points for Miles Morales. I'm taking points for Miles Morales. Yes, yes. But this is my elaborate backstory that kind of works, so I'm going with it. Right. It's also peak, you know, it's peak. villain. It's, yes. It is. It is and that hits both the Latin community and the black community. I, I kind of just, this is just a beat down on those two communities. I mean, it kind of wow. is. It's like, uh, this, is, this is a strong, strong, hate, hateful move. Um, no, it, it's, this is full Dr. Blofeld. You're a James Bond level villainy here. <sighs> Woo! Yeah, if you don't want to lose your hero, sacrifice somebody else's hero. That's me. You, you, you're like you're like the guy from Saw right now. You're just you're just like telling people that they need to uh, all attack, all attack a certain vote. None of this matters because this pick is gonna get T'Challa in the polls, and it's gonna be all about Blue Beetle for you. <laughs> That's cool. I'll take maybe Blue Alex Beetle. Wilder, maybe Alex Wilder. But either way, guys, uh, Sean Martineau on Twitter. Uh, let him know what you think. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the, the the last gifts just consisted of people getting beat down. So uh, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So, uh, I'm safe in Canada. You know, our borders are locked. You guys can't get me. That is a really good point. And considering uh, recent events, we may never be allowed up there. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you guys like know what it's like up here at all? Um, what part of what part of Canada do you live? I live in Manitoba, but we are, we're in the middle of reopening. We've had seven deaths total. We've had less than 300 cases total. Um, some places that have reopened before us have a lot of cases popping up now. And I think because I live in the middle of nowhere, nobody wants to be here. Right. Mm-hmm. Once the borders open, that's going right. to hit us between province. Mm-hmm. But like, it's been, it's been a lot different up here. 
Yeah, and I'm, I have I, a friend I feel, in, in Alberta. Yeah, I haven't been able to like experience there. this. So yeah, I have a friend in Alberta. It's a little rougher there, but um, I think yeah. that's the worst one, right? The worst province. Um, at one point it was BC, and Alberta's right next to BC, so it might be Alberta. Okay, but um, yeah, you guys are just living the life of uh, safety and competent leadership, whereas uh, we don't know anything about that. But um, yeah, basically at this point, I feel like it's like the plot of the Dark Knight Rises or the Dark Knight. It's it's a Joker plot. Yeah, say that last part again because you got a little. Uh... Oh, sorry. I'm just saying it's a full Joker plot line we're living now. It's an anarchy plot line, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. So, uh, Marquis, what are your thoughts about these uh, nominees? Uh, excited to see what happens, especially this last part. I actually am not too concerned that this character is going to be taken away. So I, I actually think the Black team can probably sleep pretty easily in terms of Miles Morales. Yeah, but they still have to concert, contend with the fact that uh, the Latinx de- delegation is really coming from t- for T'Challa. You know, they're, they've, got a, they've got a multi-fronted war. Latinx will make peace with that as long as it's not the white team. <laughs> yeah. He didn't I don't want him. He was a horrible performer. He can't fly. I, I learned blade. that early I in the show. Blade. I took Blade rather than Black Panther. I mean, I don't think Blade is going to outscore Black Panther. Um, I'm willing to, to 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 do a side bet, a side bet head to head, you know, because I, you know, people love T'Challa. He'll show up in random books and get points that way. But um, whew. How do we even move? How do we even move forward from there? Wow. Um, let's let's see. Let's see if there's any. I'm surprised that actually uh, we didn't get we didn't get some jump ins from from our, our buddy. Nobody even commented. Yeah. You know. Everybody's getting their feet wet with the like, technology. Okay. This is done. This is done. <laughs> you know, I was I, I was convinced that uh, you know I would ambush you, Sean. And everyone all from all the different delegations will come on and read you the riot act. I'm very disappointed in the black delegation for not, for not uh, ambushing you, but um, maybe next week. <laughs> You'll have to tune in to see. Right. So I'm legitimately disappointed. I don't get to think about my draft for a whole week. <laughs> yeah. You, you get to you get to sit on the sidelines and talk trash. Cause you, you know, you know, you're, you're you're guaranteed one of our beloved uh, people of color characters. Do you have a so so so? Here's a good chance for you to uh, pitch the fantasy comics league again, or plug it rather, you know. Okay, um, we're actually we're we're swinging back up because June is going to be the first real month for Marvel comics. Okay. Um, yeah, we we track every Marvel comic. We track all the major characters. We track all the major villains. Um, this system we're going to be applying to this draft, it's going to be really interesting, especially with characters like the crow, you know? Like, is the crow going to show up in anything? I don't know anything about even where the crow is published. Uh, He's IDW right now. Okay. Because, like, that would be cool. I would love to to read a crow book. I've never read a crow book. But not the OG crow. Because that's the thing with the crow. The crow will usually do a, you know, a crow... Uh, mythology or, or crow lore book 
before it'll go back to the original Crow. Um, okay. So I think the last IDW Crow book was was set in a, you know, don't quote me on where it was set, but it was set in a different time frame than than the original Crow. But you know, I'll keep I'll keep my eye out for for new Crow books. Okay. Oh, yeah. So check out the Fantasy Comic League. We'll be in June. We will be putting content out again. We'll be pointing out like we do character of the week things where we post all the characters who appeared and the points they got that week. You know, we do week by week stuff. And yeah, I'm looking forward to reading comics again. Like when Marauders and Venom came out, I was just like, I was just like so happy. I was like, new comics that I give a shit about. I still, I, I still feel like under under the scoring, under the somewhat modified scoring system that we agreed on with with our uh, draft, like Moon Knight probably scored a shit ton of points. Um, which and it's surprising because I don't normally think of my think of Moon Knight as a powerhouse. Mark, yeah. are you aware of the character Moon Knight? Uh, only in terms of name. So I guess the right answer here is probably not really. Yeah, I mean, he like I remember seeing that there was going to be a storyline where Moon Knight took on the Avengers, and I was kind of like, "All right, good luck with that." And then uh, I just read the comic from this past week where Moonlight Moon Knight not only took on the Avengers, but he basically took out the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, you know, which I'm I'm curious to see how that story goes, and I'm curious to see if anyone drafts Moon Knight based on the idea that Moon Knight is not only you know getting this push through the Avengers books, but he's also got a uh, Disney Plus series coming at some point. So, is he, my, What is Moon Knight? Is he Jewish? Yes. Is he Jewish? Yeah, okay. I should have called Moon Knight instead of Alex Wilder. <laughs> 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 I'm going to get Alex Wilder. I'm going to be pissed off about it, but I'm going to be honest. Like, are we you have four picks. How many do you need? Can I come after these people again? What did you say? Like these these people I've nominated. Am I expected to throw out these choices afterwards, or can I come for them again? Oh no no no! You 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 can you can draft any of these characters in the next round. Uh, you just can't draft them in the current round. But you know you're just you've just tipped your hand in terms of uh, you know people that you might draft if they. Don't. Okay, but I was the last. I'm like second last or third last this round. I'm right at the start of the next round, and ain't nobody can touch Miles this round. That's right. So, um, black delegation, Latinx delegation. You guys are the only ones. It's literally those two. They're the ones affected. You guys have to play to keep them or you're going to lose them. <laughs> wow. Mike, I was actually wondering, have you thought about having maybe a, a knockout vote? Some sort of poll to just have voters knock out a character from each team at some point down the line? I haven't thought about it, but that's an interesting idea. Um, We'll we'll talk about it and we'll you know we'll we'll get some feedback from the group and see see how that works out. What I had envisioned is a um is a lightning round at some point where you know as where we get as many captains on as possible and we just uh, we just run through <laughs> we just run through picks uh, speed speed style. But in, you know we have to get more than just one. We have to we have to coordinate all eight. But hey, it's something yeah, that, that would be hard. But if it's possible, I'm game. You know, I mean, I'm doing doing nothing. You know, I'm still a believer. I still want to see us have a a situation where we have uh two, where we have two uh, captains that pick the same, pick the same uh, uh, superhero, and there's a head-to-head vote. 
you know so that's what we that's what you missed out on by by not having another captain uh someone trying to head-to-head block this Miles Morales. Let's just rig that and make it happen. So let, let's just put the fix in and, for, and make that happen for next week's episode. I mean... Martin jumped in. He is now competing. And he doesn't have a team yet, but he's just saying no to all the suggestions from the white. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think that's about it for us uh, as far as, uh, you know, unless you guys have any anything else that you want to want to talk about as far as the, the league. As far as the uh, drafting, I'm interested to see what comes next. You know, every every draft has a couple that are like, "Oh, those people are playing to compete," and then a couple that are like, "Damn, I learned some shit," and then a couple where I'm like, "Solid." You know, <laughs> they might perform, they might not. There's a good story there. <laughs> what about you, Marquis? I'm just happy that it's still still a safe space for people to to have sort of sophisticated, energetic, fun conversations around race dynamics. Those spaces are a bit hard to find right now. And I'm happy the space is here for people to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I echo those sentiments. You know, we, we, we want to be that kind of, you know, safe geek, geek space that uh, is talking about these issues, you know, within the context of, of comics, but also within the context of sort of fandom more generally. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, you guys can spread the word. To uh, if you're if you're out there in Radio Land, you know, people that you think would enjoy the show. We're always we're always here on social media. We're always Facebook, Twitter. Um, you know, you can subscribe to us on uh, Anchor, Apple, Google. Um, what's his name on Spotify? Mm-hmm. You know, we're 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 looking to grow the base. We're looking to you know turn this into a, a larger a larger movement and you know if you're if you're a fan if you want, want to hear some 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 different tacts to take as far as the structure of the show or as far as you know feedback segments and the like you know our ears are open we're always uh we're always listening and um yeah like i'm this 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 draft is, is continuing to move in in unorthodox directions and and i'm crazy crazy <laughs> You know, I'm here for it if you're here for it and, you know, make your voices known. You know, we're, we are still somewhat in, the, in a democracy. And uh, when it comes to this radio bit, you know, this, this podcast thing, you know, it's, it's very democratic and it's very uh, open. So, you know, on that, on that note, um, you know, again, our thoughts and our, you know, our sympathies lie with the people out there in the streets making their voices known. Um, the people stay hopefully staying safe as they're you know rising up against against fascism and um, tyranny. Um, you know, hopefully for everyone, this can be a little bit of a respite. This can be a little bit of levity um, in a in a trying and tough time. Um, and yeah, until next time, all things are possible. Woo!